0: Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written— The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. I just want to reiterate
1: one more time. This is Claire's sermon, so I can't be held responsible for what I'm about to preach. (laughs) After wrestling for what felt like an eternity in the wilderness... Jesus was carried back into his familiar world, animated by the power of God's Spirit. The passage this morning comes right on the heels of the story of Jesus' temptation in the desert, as Jesus returns to Galilee and begins teaching in earnest. One week, perhaps on a long weekend, he makes the decision to travel back to his hometown, Nazareth. And it's a sweet homecoming by any measure. He gets to eat the familiar food to pop in on his next-door neighbors and gets to meet the children that have been born in the intervening years. He gets to go for a stroll down the main village street and stop to chat with the merchants in whose booths he used to play hide-and-seek as a child. It was a balm for his soul. But then the Sabbath rolls around. And though he was in a familiar place, the sensation he felt as he dressed and headed for the synagogue was anything but familiar. There was a weight on him that he couldn't ignore, a responsibility he had never felt in all his time in this place. He knew on one hand that his community would be supportive, would be eager to hear from him, to experience for themselves this rabbi version of Jesus they'd heard so much about, but on the other hand, there was, there was something else. To these people, Jesus was just the carpenter's boy. And how easy it would be for them to write off his message as youthful or naive. But the risk seemed worth it. So he leaned in. All the way to the meeting place, he chewed on this feeling. He sat patiently, and when the time came, he took his place on the steps to read from the Isaiah scroll. He read about the prophet's sense that the Spirit of God was moving him towards a proclamation of good news for the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. He read that the Spirit was ushering in a new era, an era in which God's reality would be the only reality humanity would know. And then he sat down in the pulpit, as it were, and began teaching. The congregation waited with bated breath. Today, Jesus preached, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What a sermon. I'm sure there was more, but we don't have it. It might have been nice if Luke had deemed it worth sharing with us what Jesus had said after this surprise opener. If he had chosen to include the whole sermon that Jesus preached, it definitely would have made my job easier. But he didn't. And so it is on us to wrestle with it, to wonder what it meant. We have to discern, first, why Jesus chose this passage and this moment. And second, why would he claim, that it's, why would he claim its fulfillment right then and right there in their hearing? So let's imagine ourselves in that room. In that moment, when he uttered those words. And let's take a good look around. Let's take in the reactions of the people because it's my suspicion that some of them might feel familiar. Today, Jesus preached, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I imagine a few folks in the congregation chuckled nervously as they looked from one side to another, trying to catch a neighbor's eye. They were ready to exchange some raised eyebrows and some questioning looks. Today, they thought, Yeah, sure. You're telling me this is the moment we've been waiting for. You're going to tell me that Isaiah had this little rinky-dink synagogue in mind when he imagined the ushering in of the year of our Lord. No, I don't think so. Not today. Not these people. Many of you know Zach and I dated through college. (laughs) Some of this doesn't translate as well. (laughs) Though we were in different states and several hours apart, on several occasions, Zach would come down to visit me during his spring or fall break, and rather than skip class to be with him, I just invited him to tag along, and I think this says more about him than it does about me that he agreed, I don't know what she means by that. (laughs) On one such visit, he had the privilege of joining me in a class where we were discussing the advent of the postmodern era. This seismological shift in the entirety of Western culture that some would say we are, some would say we are actually still in the midst of right now as we speak. And I won't get into all the details of all, of, this, of all that this shift from a modern enlightened age to a postmodern age entails, although I do think there are some important implications for the church. But for the sake of my story, let's just suffice it to say we were talking about a big change, a macro-level change, the turning of an era. What I remember most vividly from this episode of the academic adventures of Zach and Claire is not so much the revelation itself that this cultural moment we had been born into was a significant change. What I remember is that when we got home to Pensacola, that weekend, where we, show, we shared our newfound knowledge with one of our dads, and I'll leave it to your imagination which one it was, since I love him dearly but forgot to clear the story with him. That was my dad. <laughs> Rather than marveling, as I had, he responded with dismissal. Surely not, he said. And that was that. It was as if, to him, the idea that this could be a future-altering moment was conceited. We're giving ourselves too much credit. Today is not the dawn of a new era. Today is just Saturday. And who knows? Time will tell if he's right, although that's beside the point. But I do think his reaction is not uncommon. Sure, none of us loves to be confronted with the prospect of change, but there's something else at work here. Put yourselves in the shoes of those listening in the synagogue. Really? Today the scripture is being fulfilled? You're telling me that something big is about to happen here, that there's a good chance I'm going to be required to play a part in it? Surely not, they must have said. Today is not the dawn of a new era. It's just Saturday. But let's go back. I imagine they weren't the only scoffers, so let's take a look at a different group. Today, Jesus preached, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I imagine there were some folks whose heads cocked when Jesus uttered the word fulfilled. These were the ones that dared to wonder, that dared for a moment to hope that it might be true. What does he mean fulfilled, they questioned. Have our hopes possibly come true? Does he believe that we have reason to hope that they might? Is it possible that God has not forgotten the promises we were made so many years ago? Is it possible that sight, liberation, freedom, and healing could be just beyond the horizon? Could it be so? But I can't help but imagine these people might have been disappointed. Their faces falling as Jesus continued his sermon. It may have seemed to them that Jesus was actually totally uninterested in the issues that concerned them. What they wanted to know was how they were going to get out from under the thumb of the Roman Empire. That was the question of the day, and rather than answering it, Jesus was not giving them the answer they were looking for. He seemed to say, let go of your hope in this kingdom, this restored kingdom of Israel like it was under David, because that's not what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like, that's a totally different sermon. Jesus had a lot to say about what the kingdom of God was like, but I can tell you what it's not like. It's not like the powers of Rome, and it's certainly not like the superpowers of the United States. It's not even like the restored kingdom of their ancestor David. In a week like the one we've had when the pitfalls and shortcomings of our current government are made so abundantly clear, it's as important as ever that we remember that we follow a teacher who was rejected by his own nation and executed by their oppressors as an enemy of the state. Our hope must lie elsewhere. So let's turn back the clock just one more time. Today, Jesus preached... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This last group, I don't know if their reaction could even be discernible at all from the outside. These are the ones who noticed the hairs on the back of their necks standing up at the words, In your hearing. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Maybe these folks had gotten into the habit of just tuning out whenever the scriptures were read. They seemed to be irrelevant. So this group takes a minute to rewind and remember what he had just said and why it had hit them like that. Good news for the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. Release, healing, freedom. These were all things that they heard all the time. There was no shortage of calls to justice in the prophets. So then why does our hearing it today What does our hearing it today have to do with the prophet's words being fulfilled? And perhaps we might ask ourselves the same question. It may be obvious that this is where I find myself in the story. In my reading of this passage, I can't help but bring myself to read it as... I can't bring myself to read it as today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, as in, lucky you, what timing... You got to be one of the few who were here when the fulfillment came about. Rather, I believe that what we have to take away from the Jesus story as a whole is not that this text was fulfilled, but that it is fulfilled. Each time one of us hears it, really hears it. And there's a test we can perform to ascertain as to whether or not we have actually heard it, and it's quite simple. Are you in the business of setting people free? Are we loving people into healing and wholeness? Because that is how we can know if the Spirit of God has truly come to rest upon us. There are some of us who may be on the other side of the equation, the ones who need to be set free, who need to be loved into healing, and of course at some point in our lives we'll find ourselves on one side or the other. But the good news for you is that what's waiting for you on the other side of this present trial is not just healing and freedom, sweet as they are when we find them, but purpose. The picking up of a torch or a cross and carrying it for another who needs you to walk alongside them. We read earlier in the service from the words of St. Paul's to the church in Corinth encouraging them to remember that they're all parts of the same body. No part is more or less important than another, and we each have a role to play in bringing the body of Christ to full realization, to fulfillment. There's a quote often attributed to St. Teresa of Avila, a 16th century Christian thinker that says, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. And yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. No matter where you may have seen yourself in that synagogue, in our telling this morning, let me affirm some things. First, something big is happening, and it's happening now. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It won't be finished today, and that gives us purpose as we move into tomorrow. Second, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Somehow, it is fulfilled, and yet it is not the fulfillment of any of the structures of this world in which we place our hope in our political parties, or our candidates, or our charities, or our nonprofits, because they will ultimately let us down. And this too gives us purpose as we move into tomorrow. And attempt to identify the places where their arms, where their aims are in step with the purposes of Christ, where our allegiance ultimately lies. And finally, today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Yours, your ears have been graced with the gospel of Christ, the good news of release and of healing and of freedom. So go now and let this gospel find fulfillment in you. For you are, after all, the body of Christ in our world. May the Spirit of God see through your eyes. Listen through your ears, speak through your lips, and serve with your hands, and walk with your feet to all the places in need of the good news of God's gracious and all-encompassing love. Today, may this scripture truly be fulfilled in your hearing. Amen.